Warning. The program you're about to hear is absolutely filthy and thoroughly disgusting. Furthermore, listening to it will immediately turn you into a bottom. Bottom. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Watch me shove this beer can up my ass. I'm proud to declare the Adam Sank Show and his ass open to the wind. Ass open to the wind. This is fuckery. <laughs> this is all fuckery. Fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... Give a warm round of applause to my friend and yours, Adam Sank. Yes, my co-host was just asking me whether I've actually ever shoved a beer can up my ass, and the answer is, I have not. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, July 9th in the year 2022, dnrstudios.com and the DNR Cast app. The only place you can hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen anywhere else, leave us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or whichever audio platform you use to listen. Email me your big fat dick pics at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. Get your ass merchandise at adamsank.com. Call the ass hotline anytime, even when we're not on the air. 804-TALK-ASS. Get vaccinated and boosted. Get your monkeypox vaccine once it's available and stand with Ukraine. Our guest today is uh, someone we've had on the show before whom we love. She is Julia Scotty, and her new comedy album is called Primal Cuts. We'll be talking to her at the bottom of the hour. Bottom. But first, it's time to uh, welcome back our guest co-host. It says here that it's Steve, but it's really not Steve, (laughs) because Steve is into the woods. And out of the woods. Into the woods. In fact, it is the one and only Logan Hardcore, drag queen extraordinaire, (laughs) bete noir. Yeah, so many things. Enfant terrible. Bottom feeder. Bottom feeder. You really are an enfant terrible. That that expression was created for you. What is that? A is terrible that, child. Absolutely. Is that Spanish? It's French. Oh, so I'm in Spanish class, so <laughs> I was hoping to learn it. Una infanta terrible. Donde estás el baño el cocaine? <laughs> Where's the cocaine bathroom? <laughs> that is useful. Uh, Wait, did you learn that phrase before or after you got No, I'm ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome back, Logan. Welcome back, JB, our queen of fuckery. Hello. By the way, I forgot to mention last week that that OAN contributor who was trashing the pride flag, she used your word. She used fuckery. fuckery. Yeah. And I was very offended. I was also very I was very offended by her whole outfit. The video was <laughs> trashy. Like, I was like, how are you a news reporter? And then you give this trashy us. You posted this. Like, the quality was bad. Yeah. You're outside. The wind is bad. What's just what you doing? Yeah. <laughs> no audio. Oh. Like, you work in this industry. That's like me doing a podcast, and I give you terrible audio quality. Like, what the fuck? Why am I this? We all know that would never happen. Oh, well, that okay. was Steve's. That was Steve's <laughs> fault for the echo. He was in the cave. No, we're talking about years of uh, of audio yeah. difficulties oh, yeah. on this show. But JB yeah. has perfected his craft. Yeah. Now he's great at it. Wow. <laughs> Listen, before I f- before I forget, it's time to nominate the ass for a podcast award. Oh, Logan's playing footsie with me under the console. Oh my god! Yes, come on, feet. <laughs> Once again, uh, this year, the Adam Sank Show is competing in the comedy category. So go to podcastawards.com, register as a nominator and voter. It's free. It only takes a second. Then go in and nominate us in two categories, the Adam Curry People's Choice Award. I don't know why it's called that. And the comedy category. And then maybe you won the the award. After you win the award five times, the category gets named after you. Oh, I see. Yes. Um, And then go to the LGBTQ category and nominate If These Ovaries Could Talk, a fellow DNR Studios uh, show. And um, and then when it's time to vote, they will send you an email. Make sure you vote for us in those categories as well. Um, We are listed as Adam Sank Show without the the T. So you don't have to scroll all the way down alphabetically. It's one of the first things that comes up in those categories. Please, please, please do this, you guys. I want that trophy. Um, Logan. We deserve a trophy. Logan and JB, are either of you interested in history? Do you like historical facts? Um, no. <laughs> Do you know any history? Donde estas el cocaine? You became a drag queen at like age 16, right? Like you never went to college. You well, no, I'm back in college now at 33 is my first time ever going to college. Oh, good for you. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm getting there. And like as I've 
evolved from the nightlife scene, I guess. Like, you know, history is very important. You see that now where the world is headed, you know. Who whom did we fight in World War One? Okay, so um, that would be the Proud Boys. <laughs> well, in, in a sense, yes. <laughs> see, I told you, Germany. Yeah, the Nazis. No, the Nazis okay. was World War Two. Yeah. yeah, see, we were we were fighting the Kaiser, the the king of Germany and uh, the Germans oh in my World God. War One. Then after World War One, the Nazi Party formed, and we had to fight them too for World War Two. But anyway, you have some shit to learn, JB. Do you like uh, history? Uh, okay, so when I was in school. I enjoyed it, but not as much as science or math. It was nice. Yeah, you're more of a right brain. Yeah. But then, and then the history was teaching me, I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. Well, history is not taught properly in high school. (laughs) I mean, I learned a lot about tariffs and like the gold standard versus the silver standard. But like, they forgot to teach us about like slavery and Jim Crow and villages that just went missing in the middle of the night. Right. Tulsa race massacre. Black I mean, villages that no, went missing in the middle of the night. American history is actually fascinating and terrible. Terrifying. And terrifying. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm a huge history nerd. I'm always uh, interested in finding out uh, true facts from the past and also things that I thought were true that are actually false. That and I you know I love a list. So this, initially I discovered this on AOL. Uh, oh. <laughs> because wow. I, I really like to keep up with what the kids are into. So I still have an AOL account that I only use for shopping. Excuse me? Like an AIM account? It's, uh, it, it's no, not a chat account. It's for, it's an email account on AOL that I use just for shopping so that, because I get thousands and thousands of spam emails to that account. I don't want it to go to my Gmail. See, I have a, a, yeah. a Yahoo account still. There you go. That I gets all my junk mail. So when I check my AOL mail, there's always like these little AOL news stories. And I started reading this one called Historical Facts That Are Completely False. Then halfway through, I clicked on the wrong thing and it went away and I couldn't get it back. <laughs> so, because I am a 90 year old woman. So I just Googled more historical facts that are false and I came up with this definitive list. Number one, are, we, are you guys ready? Absolutely. Fact one Napoleon Bonaparte was short. Is- uh, False. Yeah. Oh. Oh. He was actually average. I thought he was ice cream. The what? <laughs> Napoleon ice cream. <laughs> no, that's Neapolitan. Oh, boy. Dumb, dumb. <laughs> he was the angry guy who got kicked off France twice. Logan, <laughs> like, see me after class. See, at least I do that. I do some history. Th- that's why they call it the Neapol- Napoleon complex. Got yeah. it. You're going to have to do some extra credit <laughs> after Holy class, shit. Logan. Um. The Napoleon complex describes a vertically challenged man with aggression issues. Well, the reason why Napoleon has this <clears throat> uh, reputation is, according to certain reports, he was five foot two. But and it's a big but that five foot two referred to the French unit of measurement at the time. An inch or a pouce in French Ooh. was only two point seven centimeters, while the imperial inch. Our inch was shorter, 2.54 centimeters. So to be five foot two in French units actually meant he was probably around 5'5 five five or 5'6, five which is short for now, but very average for then. How tall are you, Logan? Six. And your dick is how long? Six. No, nine. Nine? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yes, Napoleon was average. Um, the Spanish flu origin- originated in Spain. False. I knew this, actually. Um, the Spanish flu, actually, the earliest recorded case was in Kansas, oh, in the United States, typical. in March of 1918. Um, but Spain was one of the only countries at the time to openly and accurately report on the pandemic. All the other countries, including the U.S., tried to cover it up and pretend it wasn't that bad because they didn't want to scare no, people. No. So it became known as the Spanish flu, but in fact, it is the Kansas flu. Wow, the Wizard of Oz just got dark. I know. Fact number three, Albert Einstein failed math. People love to tell the story that, like, doesn't matter how you do in school, look at Albert Einstein. He failed math. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't make up a theory and fail math. Like, when people just tell me that, oh, well, like, I was really good in math class, but on tests, terrible, terrible test taker. Well, that's possible. Yeah, and they used to bring up Albert Einstein. I was like, that's false. That makes logically no sense. You can't create formulas and be bad at 
understanding that. Well, he actually dropped out of school at age 15 and left Germany to avoid uh, military service. But before that, he was consistently at the top of his class and was even considered a prodigy for his grasp of complex mathematical and scientific concepts. Um, when he was asked later if that was true, that he had failed math as the, as the urban legend went, he dismissed it as a myth and said, before I was 15, I had mastered differential and integral calculus. So fuck you. Wow. F fact number, where are we, four, is that people in the Middle Ages believed the Earth was flat. False. Christopher Columbus's voyage across the ocean did not prove to everyone that the Earth was round. Scholars had known that since at least 500 B.C. And uh, the flat Earth myth was mostly instigated by Washington Irving in his 1828 fictional biographical account of Columbus entitled A History of the Life and Voyages of Christopher Columbus. The sad thing is that nowadays there are probably more people who believe the Earth was flat than there were then. Yeah. Because yeah. there's this whole flat Earth thing that's spreading on the internet, and you've got <laughs> professional athletes and, and movie stars not me. who believe the Earth is flat. I swear, <laughs> I swear it's not me. Okay, so because you said that, all I'm getting about, I watched this TikTok, is one of these flat Earth believers did a science experiment to prove that the Earth was flat. It's pretty much you hold a light and you make a hole and you see if the light reaches that hole at the angle. If it if it hits the hole at the same position, I know, I'm, I'm Wait, fucking these, up. These morons think that yeah. if they can't see the curvature of the Earth, it must not be there. Exactly. Which and is like saying curves. because we're we're now in a studio with a flat ground, then everything in New York City must be this exact same <laughs> height and flatness and smoothness. Like it's so, it's so... Ill. These I could go are down so a Ill. rabbit hole about this because I love shit like that. Yeah. I mean, it was a great experiment. I enjoyed it. And he kept saying, no, this experiment is wrong. But Light. he was really behind this experiment at first. Well, needless to say, the earth is not flat, and people did not think it was in the Middle Ages. Prove Certainly it. scholars didn't know. Prove it. Um, I will show you my round ass right now, and I'll <laughs> prove to you there's no flatness to be found. Okay, here's one that's very timely for right now. And it's that the Wild West had no gun control. False. A cowboy in the Wild West was required to leave his pistol with the sheriff when he got into town, and he couldn't get it back till he was heading out. In fact, one professor of uh, American constitutional law at UCLA says that the town of Tombstone, Arizona, had way more restrictive laws on carrying guns in the 1880s than it has today. Today, you're allowed to carry a gun without a license or permit on the streets of Tombstone. But back in the 1880s, you were not. Same goes uh, for uh, towns in Nevada, Kansas, Montana, and South Dakota. So those people who say like, oh, the Second Amendment protects my right to carry a gun and it always has been that way. No, it wasn't. It was very much uh, regulated during the, uh, the time of the Wild West. Another myth is that early humans lived in caves. Oh, boy, like Steve. Steve lives in a cave <laughs> in the woods. Uh, while there are a few genuine cave dwellers, uh, well, there were a few genuine cave dwellers, um, most early humans were nomadic hunter-gatherers who lived in temporary structures like tents or wooden huts. Um, but the best preserved artifacts from the Stone Age have been found in caves. Because let's face it, if you made art in a hut, it's not going to survive for thousands of years. But if you drew something on the wall of a cave, it, it, it very likely will. I would like to believe the caves forever. I love a cave. I like a pizza hut, not like a hut hut. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever slept in a cave? Yes. It's nice. They're nice and cool. I used to camp a lot as a child. So really, I did sleep in a cave. But like the thought of doing it as a 33-year-old gay man, it's not happening. Now, when you say camp, I picture you you know, in full drag. Oh, no. I was like... I roughed it. There's photos of me, like, covered in mud with sticks in my hair, like, roughing it with bug bites. I was the original survivor. Nice. Um, this one is not terribly surprising, but the pilgrims did not host the first Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, Spaniards in Florida celebrated a similar event in 1565, well before the pilgrims had landed. Um it's not clear what the pilgrims ate at their, their famous dinner that they celebrated. Some accounts put venison on the table rather than turkey. 
while we're on the subject, Thanksgiving did not become a national holiday until 1863. Abraham Lincoln made it a national holiday on the last Thursday of November. Um, Roosevelt then moved the holiday to the third Thursday to make the period between Thanksgiving and Christmas a little bit longer. So we're talking about a fairly recent holiday. <laughs> Logan just yawned. <laughs> Is my list boring you? No, but I was thinking about what I'm thankful for. <laughs> what are you thankful for? You having me as your guest host today. And your nine-inch penis. Yes. Um, all right, we'll rip th- whip through these last three. Marie Antoinette never said, let them eat cake. Wow. It was probably said by a different French bitch uh, <laughs> who lived 100 years before, Marie-Thérèse, the wife of uh, Louis XIV. Um, but another quote similar to that has been attributed uh, much farther back to the Emperor Wei of the Jin Dynasty in China. A cow kicking over a lantern did not cause the Great Chicago Fire that was made up by a reporter. What? And this one, uh, I take very personally, Jews did not build the pyramids of Egypt. I'm leaving. (laughs) Uh, A museum director says the myth of the slaves building pyramids is the stuff of tabloids and Hollywood. Um, Apparently there were no Jews at the time that the pyramids were built. Wow. Um, I'm not terribly surprised because Jews would be like, Oi, this is so heavy. We're not building these pyramids. (laughs) No comments. No comments. I'd be kvetching the whole time. No comment. (sighs) I'm a Jew, so I can comment. So, um, all right, moving on. Dave Chappelle is back to his old tricks. Here we go. uh, Making uh, more anti-trans jokes. He... Um, did a gig not for TV. He did like a like a, just a club gig that somebody recorded, <clears throat> and on it he said this. When I made that special, the closer, I can only tell you that I made it with good intentions. My only regret is that I wish that the trans community had watched it to the very end. <laughs> Because if they watch it to the end, I don't know how they could not know. Because I've never had a problem with transgender people. Oh, but I do now. <laughs> I can't stand those motherfuckers. This nigga's trying to get me fired. That was fucked up. That was fucked up. Chappelle also blasted Lil Nas X as a, quote, promiscuous fag. He called swimmer Leah Thomas a man and compared transness to identifying as Chinese before putting on a heavy stereotypical East Asian accent. Um, After speaking on Lil Nas X, he said... uh, Yeah, so basically he's just back to being a a cunt. I just don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand why, you know, uh, um, we talked a couple episodes ago about uh, Gerard Carmichael, who came out during his last HBO special. And Gerard was quoted in GQ magazine as saying like, is this, and he's talking about Chappelle. He goes, is this the most urgent thing in your life? God bless you. I'm tired of hearing it. Chappelle, do you know what comes up when you Google your name, bro? That's the legacy. Your legacy is a bunch of opinions on trans shit. It's an odd hill to die on. And that's how I feel. It's like, this is, this is really what you want to be known for now. One of the greatest comedians of all time. You had a great career. Worshipped. You can make jokes about anything. Uh-huh. And this is going to be your issue. What the fuck is his issue with trans women? Yeah. I mean, I watched the special. I have my own opinions. I'm not going to go back to that. Just from the clip we just heard, if that, if he would have stopped right after, I don't have problems with trans people, but I I do do now. now. Yeah, that's fine. Period. That's fine. That's That's irony. Right. And like, that's what got the laugh. You continuing isn't what got the laugh. Like, and I think that it also could be a great ending to a set. Like, that's a great ending to your set. Right. And it's not offensive. You're not offending anyone. But the fact that he's just beating this and like continuously bringing it up in interviews in his sets like this is going to be what you're known for and it is yep. you know uh, it's just again people using part of the gay community 
as, you know, a, as, a punching bag. As, as a punching bag and to get and attention. Also, when he's like, they tried to get me fired. Yes, they tried to get you yes. fired because you're trying to get them killed. Yes. That's what he doesn't seem to get. There are worse things than you not being able to work, Dave Chappelle. Yes. Black trans women are being murdered every day in this country. And humor, quote unquote, like yours, makes it harder for them to survive. Yeah. So, yes, if they try to get you fired, tough shit. Yeah. That's the least of your problems or, or, or doesn't compare to their problems. Anyway, he was also in the news recently because he declined to have his former high school name its theater after him after student backlash over his transphobic remarks. Uh, this was at Duke Ellington School for the Arts in Northwest Washington, D.C. All right. He spoke to the student body and he told the audience he didn't want his name to distract students from their art, which I think is great. Yeah. I think that's wonderful for him to recognize that his name would be a distraction, but he couldn't leave it at that. He said the criticism from the students, quote, sincerely hurt me. And those who objected to the dedication said everything about gender. They didn't say anything about art. This is according to USA Today. No matter what they said about The Closer, it is still one of the most watched specials on Netflix. The more you say I can't say something, the more urgent it is for me to say it. It has nothing to do with what you are saying I can't say. It has everything to do with my freedom of artistic expression. And this is the other thing he doesn't get. Yes, he is free to say anything he wants. It doesn't mean he should. It doesn't mean he has to. And it certainly doesn't mean there can't be a backlash. Our backlash is also free speech. Yeah. No one's threatening your life. No. No one's, you know, beating you up. And you're certainly not losing work. No. So what's the real consequences? You just have a lot of people saying, hey, fuck you. Stop bashing trans women. That's the backlash. That, that's your backlash. And if you just took a, just a smidge of humility and were able to be like, wow, I didn't see how this hurt the community I won't do it again. That's all it takes. But like, and I think the important thing in this is that it's these students at this school that like affected him. And I think we're going to see with everything happening in the world, like the young people coming up that are pissed off and aware of what's going on are going to be what causes the change. It's, I hope it's not me. It's not my generation. I mean, we're going to fight, but it is these kids coming up that don't have the right to vote yet that are pissed and aware and I hope they're going to be what make the change. I really hope you're right, Logan. I feel like that generation is all they watch is TikTok. I don't know that they even know what's going on in the world. But I mean, even if you just watch TikTok, there's people that do, you know, you have a minute on TikTok and you break a seven minute news story down to a minute. That's what keeps these kids attention. These kids are like when you watch I just watching things about the abortion ruling recently, like when I see young people speak about it, like high school girls, they're more educated on it than middle-aged men that I know. Good. And like, I just feel like, and it goes to this story where these students were so upset about having the theater named after him that there was backlash. Like, they know what's up. They voice their opinion. And I think it's, it's necessary. I don't think, you know, you might not be able to vote. You might not be able to, like, systematically do anything right now. But your voice obviously matters. I hope so. Well, meanwhile, Elon Musk has a trans daughter whose name is Vivian Jenna Wilson. Hey, Vivian. And she, <laughs> she wants nothing to do with her father. Who would? She has filed documents to change her name and intends to distance herself from her billionaire Bond villain tech mogul father who's currently trying to buy Twitter. Uh, according to paperwork filed with L.A. County Vivian... The Vivian, yes. who turned 18 earlier this spring, is seeking to formalize her name change and legally declare her gender identity. She says, uh, she said, quote, gender identity and the fact that I no longer live with or wish to be related to my biological father in any way, shape, or form. Neither Elon Musk nor The Vivian have made public comments about her transition or their relationship in the past. Musk has previ previously shared conflicting support, quote-unquote, of the trans community. In the summer of 2020, he tweeted, pronouns suck. <laughs> but then his partner, you know he's dating Grimes? Yes. 
Grimes responded publicly, I love you, but please turn off your phone and give me a call. Yeah, I cannot support Grimes. hate. Please stop this. I know this isn't, isn't your heart. Later that year, he tweeted that he absolutely supports the trans community, but added that, quote, all these pronouns are an aesthetic nightmare. You know, more recently than that, he t- remember when uh, iPhone came out with the pregnant man emoji yes. and there was a huge backlash on the right? Elon Musk posted a picture of the uh, pregnant man emoji next to a picture of Bill Gates with, like, his pot belly yes. and said, like, if you want to lose your boner. <laughs> this is the man who wants to buy Twitter. I mean... Again, it's a young person speaking up, and she's not afraid of the fact that her father is this very powerful, wealthy man. And, you know, I was going to say it takes balls to speak up like that, but since she's she's trans, I'm not going to do that. Don't go there. I also like that her name's Vivian. Hi, Vivian. I know. I love the name Vivian. It's a very nice name. Vivian Jenna Wilson. Good for her. Yes. I, I give her a lot of credit. And, you know, it's easy to denounce your parents... When they're not billionaires. When it's just like when you're going to give up a billion Sally. dollars, that's that's integrity, honey. Yeah, because God knows he's probably like, okay, well, you have no inheritance. I'm not helping you do anything. You're not using my right. name to get anywhere right. in this world. But I also think it goes to show like Grimes as well, like speaking up, like I know your heart. This isn't you. But why is she even with him? I mean, he's obviously because she doesn't have the in- she doesn't have the integrity of Vivian, right? Exactly. Meanwhile, Ted Cruz got in a fight with Elmo this week. Speaking of integrity. (laughs) (laughs) Cruz was upset over a video produced by Sesame Street Mm. um, in partnership with the CDC, which showed Elmo getting a COVID vaccine. Girl. Uh, Elmo's father. I didn't realize Elmo had a father. Uh, He's got a father Muppet named Louie. Hey, Louie. And in the video, Louie says, I had a lot of questions about getting Elmo, about Elmo getting the COVID vaccine. Was it safe? Was it the right decision? I talked to our pediatrician so I could make the right choice. I learned that Elmo getting vaccinated is the best way to keep himself, our friends and neighbors, and everyone else healthy and enjoying the things they love. Uh, Elmo says that the shot was a little peach, but it was okay. (laughs) Why does that turn me on? (laughs) Elmo. This drove Ted Cruz into a frenzy. Uh, He said that the Muppet was aggressively advocating for vaccinating children under five. And he says, you cite zero scientific evidence for this. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, there's plenty of scientific evidence that the vaccine is safe and effective for children under five. Cruz went into another Muppet meltdown last month after uh, Big Bird tweeted. This is a while back. That Big Bird tweeted that he'd been given his COVID shot. Oh, boy. Uh, The reaction to the senator freaking out about this was widely mocked online with one user asking, why is a U.S. senator watching Sesame Street instead of doing his job? (laughs) I mean, that was going to be my first question. Shade. Elmo! I mean, there's that part, and then there's the part that, like, we're at the point where we're using... Sesame Street to get these points across, and we're at the point where our politicians are fighting with Muppets. Yeah, I mean, this is just such low-hanging fruit. <laughs> he knows he can get a lot of retweets and a lot of attention by by arguing with Elmo. And meanwhile, he's arguing against vaccinating your children it's... against a potentially deadly disease. Like, let's not forget, as stupid as it is to fight with a Muppet, he's actually harming children. Yeah, I mean, these By keeping them from getting vaccinated. Speaking out against it, like, Sesame Street's doing the right thing by having, like, a conversation about it. Like, what? This is what I'm worried about for my child. And also, he said, talk to your pediatrician. Yeah. He didn't say, go out and do this with no questions asked. Don't go get a shot in the back alley of CVS. Like, they're they're not saying that. And I would like to know which... I've gotten a few things in that Well, hello, who hasn't? What what Muppets are anti-vax? That's what I'd like to know. Oscar. That's me. He lives um, in a garbage can. <laughs> the count. <laughs> one. One vaccine. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, this is an update to a story we did months ago. Uh, you'll recall, JB, that uh, a gay porn was filmed right near the Parthenon in Greece during broad daylight. And uh, the Greek culture ministry and others in Greece were shocked by this. The, fil- <laughs> the film was called De Parthenon. And at the time, I came up with lots of better titles for it, like Grease My Hole. Yes. And uh, Parthenon and On. Oh. And what were some of the others that we thought? Oh. oh. Yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> is this it? No, this is just generic gay porn. 
Anyway, oh. now they've set up 150 new cameras stop <laughs> to it. stop anyone else from making this kind of uh, video. Um, oh, my God. A Greek culture spokesperson told the French media that they hope to find as soon as possible those responsible for the illegal shoot. They still haven't caught them. Um, yeah, so basically do not uh, – it is no longer safe to make gay porn in front of the Parthenon. <laughs> they have cameras set up. Damn it. And they will catch you. The Parthenon is a UNESCO-listed site. It's like one of those very special sites. Um, well, there goes my trip to Greece. The Parthenon was first screened before a small audience at the University of Thessaloniki, and it did not cause any controversy. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, what time is it? we got four minutes. I'm going to skip this story about Ryan Gosling as Ken in the Barbie movies because I don't give a shit, but everyone keeps talking about it. Um, there's new tea surrounding Madonna's 2003 appearance on an episode of Will and Grace. Wow. This That's... happens to be my favorite episode, I, or one of my favorite episodes. She is hilarious as Karen's roommate. Uh, at the end of the episode, Karen utters the famous phrase, cut to you, living in a dumpster. <laughs> it's so funny. But anyway, she appeared in season five. And um, speaking behind the scenes, executive producer Gary Gennetti says that Madonna was difficult during the shoot. She was supposed to be an executive secretary that was her job on the show. So she was supposed to wear like Anne Klein to <laughs> suits with sneakers, the kind of woman you'd see on the subway. But she refused to wear that, and she insisted on wearing her own wardrobe. Oh, boy. Um, the producer said she looked fabulous, but as a result, it was about 50% less funny than it should have been. They even had to change jokes because Karen had jokes about her clothing. But in the end, Madonna ended up looking like a rich, famous celebrity. Um, also... Uh, Megan Mullally told Jimmy Kimmel that Madonna was easy to work with but very disinterested in her co-stars. She didn't really know any of their names, nor did she bother to learn them. Uh, but they all say she was very funny. And I have to say, I think it was Madonna's best acting ever. <laughs> I loved her as Liz, Karen's roommate. Did you guys – you never watched that show, did you, JB? Yeah, of course. Oh, we you talked did? about this, yeah. Did you like the episode? Both Ryan and I enjoyed the old Will and Grace. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do remember that episode. <sighs> <laughs> I always thought it was weird because I was like, yeah, she usually, Karen does make fun of people over their clothes, and she did in that episode. Right. That's like part so of her like, thing. Yeah. yeah. So it was very, I was thrown off because it wasn't usual Karen, but it was still kind of funny because it was still Karen being Karen, but it wasn't like like she does to Grace. Rip her to shreds. To shreds. Black clothes. And she makes fun of her apartment, and at one point she says, you're an oddly confident 40-year-old secretary. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if Madonna was trying to wear what she wears now as oh my the God. secretary. Yeah, totally. Um, how are we doing getting the... Uh... Uh, I've sent an invite when you started the story. Haven't heard back since. Ay, Dios mio. All right, talk amongst yourselves about Madonna. Oh, okay. So <laughs> is she still alive? <laughs> no, she's still alive. I do know the girls that just did the performance with her for Pride. Um, and she's still performing? Oh, well, like, and this is one of my friends. I'm not going to say her name because I don't know how much she wants to be known. Madonna flew her out overnight to audition for this thing from New York to L.A. They booted one of the drag race girls for her. She said Madonna came to the dressing room and was like, just so interested in knowing everyone, making sure they were taken care of, that they knew everyone on set. And that after they auditioned, Madonna said, well, that's going to be a hard act to follow. But said that Madonna was like so down to earth on set and great to work with, invited them all to the after parties. Uh, okay, here's my problem with that. Because this is not the same Madonna that we've heard when she was locked up. And acting crazy and taking fame from Lil Nas X. Oh, I got a. Uh, I think they joined the room. Wait, when was Madonna locked up? No, no, not. I mean, when we were all locked up for COVID. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you thinking of Britney? What's happening? Oh boy, those brown pumps. All right, are we good now? Um, not really sure because I haven't seen any level popped up. But I'm just gonna mute them real quick. And t hello. Hello. Oh, oh good. good. All right, okay, let's great. do this. Yes. Our guest today is a returning champion to the ass. She made a big splash after coming out as trans and winning widespread acclaim for her comedy on America's Got Talent, where she rose to the quarter-finalist level. Now she's out with a new comedy album entitled Primal Cuts. Here's a taste of the album. But I, I did, I am ready to date. Like I said, I put together my, my personal, uh, what do you call it? Uh, profile. profile. Yeah, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't put it up there yet, though, because, uh, you know, 
I want to run it by you guys first. <laughs> well, here it is. A 69-year-old woman, um, altered. <laughs> with, uh, I've been told that I'm not totally uh, repulsive to look at. Uh, gray hair, I'm looking for, you know, uh, same or better. <laughs> better, really better. I, uh, as of right now, I still have 40% of my original teeth. <laughs> I can drive at night. I have a Medicare supplement plan. And as of this moment, I do not need special underwear. <laughs> And please give a warm ass welcome to Julia Scotty. Hey. Hey. Hi. Julia Scotty wearing regular underwear, I'm assuming. <laughs> you know, I for some reason I thought this was video too, so I took a shower. You said that last time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's audio only. You could have been completely nude and done this interview. I, you know what? As now we that are. You said it, I'm going to be. Is Romaine there? No, that she's got her own show. That's the Derek and Romaine show. I thought so. That's what I thought. It's just as Romaine Patterson. Oh yes, it. it's her. It's her clean feet account. We're very uh, frugal here at Deodora Studios. We all wow. share the same account. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, okay. you're in where? South Jersey today. I am in today and every day. Uh, life is. Uh, yes, this is where I I live. How South exciting! Jersey. Where and when did you record uh, this new album, Primal Cuts? Uh, we did it last fall. I think it was last October. It, uh, it's a theater called the Act Two Playhouse in Ambler, Pennsylvania. It's a beautiful little theater and uh, always great, intelligent audiences there. And, and we just had a great, we shot two, we taped two shows, I should say. Uh, now, as a comedian, I know that when you do a special, you basically have to have all new material uh, from your last album or your last special, right? You can't repeat any jokes. So how long would you say it took you to get this set ready for the album? I should have given a credit on the album to COVID uh, <laughs> because I had two years to do nothing and just write. And so uh, because of that, I was able to write the, you know, the new stuff. And I couldn't use the, any of the old stuff anyway because it was it's a different uh, record company. So right. you know, we don't want to run into a problem. The underlying material. Uh, it's interesting that you said you wrote during COVID because I, I mean, I don't, I don't do a lot of stand-up performing anymore, but when I did, I can never write jokes at home alone. I can only do it when I'm kind of on stage and something comes to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can think of a premise and a tentative punchline at home, but, but the joke actually gets developed over time, you know, as you do it. Sure. I, I mean, I have... I do that quite a bit, and and sometimes I do, I'll have a premise, and I'll just work it out on stage, or I'll have a punchline that I think is funny, and then I get up there and find out nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about, so I have to go back and rework it. So I have different you know methodologies for creating, but in this case, I had files and files of stuff I had nothing to do, you know, I had never developed. So I went back and looked at it, and I found oh yeah, some good stuff here. And and I wanted it to be more, uh, honest is a bad word. I wanted it to be more revealing than my first album was. Hmm. In terms of like the trans stuff or just like your personal life? Um, all of it. You know, uh, the trans stuff, especially because there's a whole big chunk in there. It's about 15 minutes long. I don't, I don't know how they, you know, how they cut it. Um, but um, I wrote a whole bunch of stuff that I hadn't done on the first album because on the first album, nobody knew who I was. Not that anybody knows now, but more people know now than did before. A lot of people know who you are. Well, okay. America's Got Talent's a big show. It is, and I still have, I got recognized at the Las Vegas airport for everything I've done since, forget it. This guy came up and said, hi, Julie, I remember you, I loved you on AGT, and that was like six years ago. I'm, yeah. I'll take it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, because it wasn't like you were on for a minute. Like, you made the quarterfinals, and they made a big deal out of you. You had, like, your own music and your own behind-the-scenes, and, you know, the judges applauded you. Like, you had a you had a real moment on national TV. Yeah, I was very blessed. I, I think that, um, they're, obviously, they're always looking for a story. 
But I think the fact that I was comfortable in front of the camera helped a lot because a lot of those people, you know, they're, they're amateurs and they're not comfortable in front of the camera. So I kind of knew, you know, how to make the most of that moment too. Plus, I'm just a damn lovable. You are damn lovable. <laughs> it's true. Julia, you know, as a gay comedian, I uh, there's always this moment when I do a set where I feel like I have to tell the audience that I'm gay. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you feel that pressure or can you just get up at a comedy club and just be Julia Scotty, you know, telling jokes or does it have, in other words, is there a pressure to, to talk about being trans in your set now? Um, pressure? No. It, it, after AGT, every place I worked billed me as trans comedian, Julia Scotty. Right. And I, and I really, I, I think we talked about this the last time I was with you. I, it, it really uh, grated on my nerves. So I, you know, I, my manager now makes it a point to say, please don't bill her as trans comedian Julia Scotty. I do talk about it in my set because it's part of who I am. Right. It, it's not my whole set, uh, you know. But most people who come see me now, uh, they know already. So it's, you know, it's not a big surprise. But I always like to see that one, <laughs> that one guy in the front row who just says, "What." Right. So, <laughs> say what? what? I I feel like unless I, if I do a corporate gig where all the material is so clean and so safe, then I don't I don't have to talk about being gay because frankly they would rather I didn't. Um, but I don't know. It's sort of hard to talk about one's life without mentioning such basic essential information, don't you find? I mean, it's it's almost weird not to talk about it. Well, it's kind of. Um... You know, why should we be any different than any other comic that, you know, is going to talk about their relationships or their marriage or their kids? Or, that's right. You know, any of that. I mean, that's just us. So, uh, you know, if you don't want me to talk about it, then don't hire me. Right. I mean, I remember the days back when MCs would, would any woman coming to the mic, they'd say, this next comedian has a vagina. You know, they're, it, just being a woman alone was was considered interesting enough. And yeah, I, you know, I kind of came after that. I mean, I, you know, the, the, I'm in a weird position because the com- the male comics kind of don't know what to say about me. Right. You know, but now, at least that's the way it was when I came back. Now, like I said, everybody knows. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not a, not a, a novelty. Right. It never was for me, but it was for some people. Now, you mentioned COVID. COVID, unfortunately, is still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like five people right now who have COVID, and I had really? it myself wow. about a month ago. Yeah. We can't seem to beat it. Is, is it affecting the amount that you're performing? Um, you mean as far as audience size goes? Well, and also just like our bookings down because of COVID, or, or ha- has it completely come back now? Uh, I I, I guess there were clubs that never came back, that never reopened again. So, I mean, for, in that sense, yes. Oh. I'm at this point where most of what I do now is theaters. And so it, I don't feel it um, as much as some of my colleagues do. You know, I'm very blessed that way. So how many nights a week are you getting up? Well, I'm doing now, uh, the, right now, the summer. I'm not too, I'm off practically the whole month of July, which is fine with me. Yeah. But I, um, prior to this, I was touring with uh, Funny Women of a Certain Age, which is Carol Montgomery's I love Showtime her. Yeah. series. Uh-huh. Yeah, Carol's the best. And uh, so we were touring, and then I did some touring on my own with the movie. Uh, right, so the documentary I, about you. Yeah, so I've been really busy that way. We, what we're doing is we're doing these movie screenings, and then I do a show, and then we do a uh, Q&A period afterwards. So it's kind of interesting. You know, it's a... A real hybrid kind of thing. Do you feel like you're a better comedian now than when you were presenting as male? Yes, and 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 not in terms of skill level because that's pr- pretty much the same, but in terms of content and honesty, absolutely. I I absolutely feel, and that's one of the things I like about this album. It's a lot more um, true to who I am than the first one was. Right. Do you, have you heard from any like young people, any trans kids or queer kids who have said like, "Hey, I saw you on AGT, or I heard, or I saw you at this theater, or or whatever," and and you know now I've decided to come out. Do you get those kind of messages? Um, 
I've had, yes, once or twice that where they decided to come out. But I, what I'm finding is that in my audiences, I'm getting more parents of trans kids coming out, mm. uh, coming, coming to me after the show. Sometimes they bring their kids with them. Um, it's, it's kind of cool. And, you know, the parents want advice. What do I, how do I do? What do I do? You know, and I just tell them, uh, just love them. And they'll take care of the rest pretty much. Yeah. I had this crazy experience the other day. I was at my gym and there was this guy that was really hot and I was cruising him kind of hard and he kept looking at me and smiling. And then he came over to me and he goes, you're a comedian, right? And I was like, (gasps) yeah. He goes, when I was 16, my mother took me to see one of your shows because I had just come out to her. And I was like, I suddenly feel like a very creepy old man and I'm going to (laughs) say goodbye now. But... Yeah, you're kind of caught between a, I want to say a cock and a hard place, but you know, you're... Hey, Hello, thank you. Thank you, um, good night. But how do you, you know, you kind of want to dig that compliment, but then you're right, at the same point, you're, you feel like a creepy old man. I was man. like, yeah. you can tell your mom that um, I want to fuck you now. <laughs> Apparently his mom's a fan of mine, we're like Facebook friends, and I didn't even realize it, but... Um, really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, listen, any parent that has a queer kid that goes to a comedy show to try to figure out <laughs> what to say and do, it, that's a pretty cool parent. I mean, yeah. I, you know. Oh, yeah. The parents that come to see me are just so cool. And I've done a couple of schools uh, since then, too, you know, where I go and um, the teachers are just, of course, I don't do it in Florida now, but, uh, um, you know, I, I go to the school, I talk to the kids and. Afterwards, I do a meet and greet with the, you know, with the queer kids. It's great. It's, I love it. And it's one of the perks of being sort of, you know, known. Visible. Visible, It's yes. all about visibility. We were talking earlier in the show, and we've talked about this a lot on this show, uh, Dave Chappelle. I knew you were going there. Like, I, I have to ask. And now Ricky Gervais. Yeah. You know, uh, these are very famous men who yep. can talk about anything. They can joke about anything. They have the ability to write jokes about everything. Why do you think they are targeting trans women? And what do you make of, of sort of the reaction, the backlash, and also the, the lack of a backlash against them? How, how do you feel about all of this as a comedian and a trans woman? I had to, you know, yeah, again, I was caught between a rock and a hard place there too uh, because the comedian side of me says, well, let them... You know, don't censor them. They're allowed to do whatever they want. And I still believe that. It's, that's probably not a popular uh, thing to say. But as a comic, um, if I say to you, that's off limits, then who am I? I'm censoring you. So I can't say to those two gentlemen, don't talk about that stuff. What I can say, though, is you don't have to listen to it. Right. It comes out of ignorance. And they are ignorant, both of them. And and that I will say and and um, yeah. wow. How, How does do it you make feel you feel? I'm sorry. What? How does it make you feel when you when you watch a special like Chappelle's The Closer? Did you watch it? I did. I had to because everybody was you know I'm buzzing sort of about a go-to it. Go-to yeah. trans person. Uh, it. I felt this way about Chappelle before that special. After the first one, I was same. Like, oh my God, this guy is like you know. Uh, he's, I'm wasting my time here, but I had to watch this one because of the amount of controversy. And again, I, you know, I feel the same way. Uh, if you don't want to watch him, the best thing you can do to censor him is not watch him and not put money in his pocket. Um, yeah, I mean, for, it, it, for me, it's offensive on two levels, right? It's obviously offensive on a political level. It hurts mm-hmm. trans people and particularly trans women. Mm-hmm. And you're already talking about a community that's, you know, the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. There's literally no group in society that has it worse than trans women, except for maybe trans women of color. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kicking people who are already down, mm-hmm. and politically that's offensive. But also comedically it's offensive to me because I think it's so fucking lazy. That's the thing. I, you didn't ask me as a comedian. You asked me as a trans woman. Yeah, as a, as a comedian, comedian. Yeah, I think he's lazy as shit because, I, listen, I'm guilty of what he did. If you watch the the movie, I, I mean, back in the day, 20 years ago, when I was struggling with my, my identity, I was doing stuff like that. And it and it and I watch it now and I cringe. 
Right. You know, and it, it's, it's makes me sad that I ever even thought that way. As far as he goes, he's supposed to be, I know we're not focusing on Gervais, but he's supposed to be this great comedic genius. Right. I don't see it. You know, I just don't see it. That's what I'm saying. I think, you know, he, we know he can joke about, he can make anything funny. And, and so can Ricky Gervais. I mean, Ricky Gervais took Humpty Dumpty and turned it into a, a genius 20-minute bit. They uh -huh. don't need this, right? And to me, it's such a lazy and cynical attempt to appeal to the lowest common denominator. Because there is nothing inherently funny about being trans, right? I mean, well, trans people can be funny, as you are. Of but course. but but the whole like oh let's laugh because this person's not really a woman or or not really a man or their genitals are like this is these are jokes that that have been going on for a hundred years. There's nothing new or innovative about that. Oh, and in his case, he it, you know he may have contributed to somebody ending their life. Right. You know, and 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 yet he tries to make himself to look the hero. That's the thing. And the I, victim. I found offensive. And a victim. Right. He's uh, a victim of cancel culture. Meanwhile, he's not being canceled. No. What work has he lost? None. I just, I think it's, and, and I, as I said earlier, it's not that you can't say this, but you shouldn't. There are things that, like, you shouldn't say because, A, they're not funny, B, they're harmful. It doesn't mean you can't. We can all say right. anything we want. And I have to also defend you. The jokes that you may have been telling 20 years ago were not hateful jokes. When no, Chappelle they, stands they on When Chappelle stands on stage and says, gender is a fact. First of all, that's not a joke. Mm -hmm. And second of all, it's a misunderstanding of, of what de gender identity is. And, and, and typical uh, of, of an ignorant, and I hate to say, well, male. Yeah. They, him, both him and Gervais center it all around the genitals. And right. that, is not, that is not what makes me transgender at all. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's who I am inside. It's my soul. And they know I've that by now. Somebody, they're, huh? they're, they're smart enough and sophisticated enough to know that by now. They're, well, pretending, think, yeah. they're pretending they don't. It's feigned ignorance to me. Mm -hmm. I agree. I do agree. I mean, it, it, uh, I've, somebody asked me how I felt there because I just celebrated my 21st birthday on July 1st. Actually. Oh, happy birthday. Uh, thank you. And um, I, it's, you know, when I say I'm happy... Uh, and I'm at peace. And you can sometimes you get peace and sometimes you get happiness in your life. But when you get bitten, both of them, that's it, man. That's that's all there is. That's yeah. all you need, you know. Good and, for you. And, you try, and people like him, like both of them, are trying to take that away from us. Right. And, and I'm not. I won't stand still. I won't be quiet about it anyway. Me neither. All right. Well, moving on. It's time to play everyone's favorite game, Julia. Ask me no questions. <laughs> Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. What's a joke you tell that always kills? I, okay. Can I give you a joke that I, my favorite joke I've ever written? Yes, never please. never kills? Okay. It <laughs> never kills. It never kills. I do this set, this piece of my set about how when I was a kid, I would steal money and cigarettes from my mother's pocketbook. And just before she beat me with the vacuum cleaner pipe, she would say to me, one of these days, Julia, your bad habits are going to catch up with you. One of these days, Julia. And I would just look at her and go, oh, yeah, who's Julia? <laughs> Did you get it? Nobody gets it. Because you weren't Julia yet. Exactly. <laughs> That's My really... favorite joke I've ever written, it's and deep. nobody gets it's it. It's very meta. I get it. it <laughs> thank you. Uh, who's a comedian that makes you laugh anytime you watch them? John Mulaney uh, does does that to me all the time. Um, something about it. I just, I love him. Um, What's the most shocking thing that's happened to you in the past year? Ooh, that's a good, oh my God, can I come back to that? Uh, you can, can we, pass. All right. Uh, also, we could ask, what's the least shocking thing that's <laughs> happened to you in the past year? Uh, okay. Uh, uh, okay. The most shocking is that Donald Trump is is, is thinking of running for president again. Yeah. Seriously thinking, but the least shocking is that he's done all the horrible shit that they said he's done. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, that's fucking scary. Um, yeah. Okay, I went back and listened to the last time you were on the show because I didn't want to repeat any of the ask me no questions questions. And the last okay. time we asked you who your celebrity crush was, you said Allison Janney. Um, I'm wondering if that has changed and if there are any new celebrities that are floating your boat these days. Oh, oh! I, I wish I'd have known this question was coming because there's a whole bunch of them. Ah, oh, Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Is there another question that follows? I was this? trying to think of other tall women celebrities like Angelica Houston. Did she ever do it for you? No. No. Christine uh, Lottie always did it for me. Oh, interesting. You know who she is? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, I always found her tremendously attractive. Um, what was your favorite TV sitcom as a child? Dick Van Dyke Show. Oh, good answer. And I have a follow-up to that, if I could tell Please, you. Please, yes. I did a. I just recently did a podcast with a friend of mine named uh, John Poveromo, and he had Bill Persky on as his guest. Do you know Bill Persky? I know the uh, name. Well, he wrote with his partner Sam Denoff a lot of the Van Dyke episodes. He created That Girl. He created Kate Nally. Mm. I mean, the guy's a legend, right? And I, I keep some of his stuff on my wall because he's my idol. Well, I got to be on the. I got to be on the um, show with him. And we kind of hit it off, you know, and he's coming to one of my shows. He's 90 years old. Wow. Uh, he's coming to see me out in Long Island uh, in a couple of weeks. So. That's amazing. Dick Van Dyke was before my time, but I have gone back and watched uh, reruns. And, you know, the person that I'm most fascinated with, of course, is Mary Tyler Moore mm -hmm. on that show just because she was so beautiful and charming yep. and had such great timing. Um, but it, it's also fun to see whenever Dick is at work in the writer's room. Yes. With those comedy yes. writers and Carl Reiner and um, what's her name? Who They just made a documentary Rosemary? about Rosemary. Rosemary, right, yeah. Yeah, everyone should go back and watch Dick Van Dyke. Oh, it's a fascinating. And there is a guy, a regular, who was Dick Van Dyke's stand-in, um, who I believe was, was a, a member of the Rainbow family, I oh. can say for sure, named Frank Adamo. Uh, I know that name. Up. Yeah, and you can find him in... Episode after episode, he's in the background. Maybe he's delivering coffee, but he's he's always he's always there. Uh, yeah, uh, Gary Marshall too is in the show a lot. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a brilliant show, way ahead of its time. Julia, you live in New Jersey, where recreational mm -hmm. marijuana is now legal. Mm -hmm. Have you partaken in this legal weed yet? Um, yeah, it kind of takes the fun out of smoking weed, though. You know. Yeah. I can't no smoke anymore because of my heart, you know, but I, I can do the gummies and all that. Um, do you? Do I do them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm you, not now, but I mean. Are I, you I high now? Pay, you I are, can, No, you? I'm not. I could pass a pee test, with, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not a fan of the edibles. They're too uncontrollable. I don't know when it's going to hit me. Sometimes it's much stronger than I want it to be. Yeah, I can't, but I can't, like I said, I can't smoke anymore. I can't smoke anything. Can you ever do stand-up high? No, I never did. I Me have neither. too much respect for it. I, I, um, I can have a couple cocktails, but if I do one hit of weed, I'm a fucking mess on stage. All my time. No, I can't even. I don't even drink, so it's. Um, I stopped drinking like 40 years ago, so I. It, Good for you. I'm I'm cold sober up when I go up there. I have to be. You know, it's. If how can you not stay sober for the hour that you're on stage? Well, if, my co-host today is Logan Hardcore, so she she, huh? she knows how to do it. My co-host today was famously not sober for years on stage when she would do her drag shows. Um, what's been the greatest uh, advice? What was the best advice that your mother ever gave you? Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that your phone? My sister. Huh. Tell her to fuck off. We're actually at the end of our interview, Juliet. Uh, what's next for you? Where can people see you and how can they follow you online? Um, they can go to my website, juliascotty.com. It's got my schedule always up to date. I am, um, I've, I've, got a, I've got a small bit part in the upcoming movie Bros. No, oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, so I'm, you'll see me. I'm in there for about three seconds. I'm in the movie theater with him. Always a pleasure yeah. talking to you, Julia Scotty. Thank you so much. Logan and JB, please plug yourselves. My name thank is you. Logan X Hardcore on Instagram. Uh, Stocking Anarchy 12 only on Instagram. Thanks for co-hosting with us, Logan. You've been a blast. We are back live again next week with guest host Jenny Aaron and gigantically dicked porn star Dallas Steele. 
Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Insta at adamsank and on TikTok at adamsankofficial. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye. Bye.